0: I'm really excited to release this next podcast. I am totally breaking the definition of millennials with this one, but I know you will enjoy this interview with the fabulous Jan. Jan and I met at Pilates. Yep, because you know, we're both like ballerinas, aren't we? <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, it's it's my next life.
0: <laughs> when I met Jan, all I saw was this amazing personality walk in the room. And, and Jan, can I tell them your age? Sure, absolutely. So Jan's yeah. 77? Correct. Mm-hmm. When I met Jan, I was thinking, that's who I want to be when I get to that age.
1: Oh, <laughs> you made me cry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really did, because I had this thing um, about people getting older that I think the world needs it. I think it makes, for me personally, it relaxes me weirdly when I see older people, because obviously. That means you're still alive. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you become old, you're still alive. And and I think we sort of miss that in this society. But I and also, you know, maybe it's because of my job in you know, I've been studying people for years that makes me understand this. But I always sort of think, Wow, there's a lot of life there. There's a lot of information there's a lot of knowledge a lot of experience um, but at the same time I know society sees that almost the opposite that as I've said to you before there's this
1: this belief particularly under very in very young people is that once you've got wrinkles and gray hair well you can dye your hair but you can't dye your wrinkles you can't unwrinkle them um, that your brains have fallen out your ass, yes. basically. And the reality is, it's not true. Yeah. Um, it is in some people's cases, because dementia is a real thing. However, it, it infuriates me because that is the, the natu- that is the normal belief. Mm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and
1: traditionally, grandmas have sat on a couch with a rug over their knees, knitting. Mm. And watching TV or something like that and of course it's as boring as shit. I mean no no <laughs> no older person really wants to do that but we, we were traditionally put in that basket yes and now I think my generation we're
0: jumping out of the basket I you know sorry absolutely yeah. but interestingly when I we we had a conversation Jan and I a couple of weeks ago yeah and Jan told me all about her life and being Gen X that I am, I hadn't Googled Jan until this morning. Oops. No, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but, but the way you told me your life just made me think that you're such a, a woman, right? Because women undersell themselves, definitely undersell themselves. If you were a man, you would have led with what your last job was. Because when I Google you, I get this. Jankowski, research director for the food industry, you know, that you were previously a chairman. You didn't describe any of that to me.
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, I don't actually think they were hard jobs. I think they were easy jobs because you know how to do them. So they're not really a big deal. But you know how
0: to do them because you were doing it for a long time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which right. is, you you know.
0: didn't wake up with the knowledge of how to do them. No,
1: exactly. And I I only got there by mistake, if you like, because when I stopped being in the theatre, I had to have a job apart from being a waitress. Yeah. an a waitress <laughs> like we all were.
0: Um,
1: and I just started being a coding lady in the market research industry because mm. it was all done a lot more manually then Mm. um and and so then you know then i just learned a bit more as i went so i didn't i don't think i'm it's not
0: a very but that's what men do though right they do exactly what you do they get in the job they learn it and they go further and have careers yeah yet if i was talking to a man they'd be sitting there starting with their title for sure Mm. pretty Pretty much, much right whereas You gave me (laughs) the the other day i thought that you um you didn't see yourself as having a successful career but i think anyone that reaches the level of expertise that that you did in your job that's a very successful career Mm,
1: maybe i don't know i i I can't see it i i will never see it that way possibly because um I'm still looking for the ideal job, (laughs) I still haven't got there yet, you know how people say it? You know my sister was born to be a teacher, that's all she ever wanted to do and that's what she did. I've got a son-in-law who said to me, I can't imagine not being passionate about your job because he's a music producer and a composer and doing all those creative things. That's, all he's, that's what he's, he's passionate and he doesn't understand that people can just do jobs um, that are okay and they pay, mm. but they're not, they don't inspire that kind of in excitement and enthusiasm. Mm. And I, I just so envy people who have that mm. opportunity. And I had it for a while in the theatre, I just loved it, every moment. Um, but it didn't last, partly because of my personality was not, was not pushy enough, um, or maybe I wasn't talented
0: enough, I, I don't know, but, you know. Probably you, not pushy enough, but you've learned yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: So I'm ready to go back on the <laughs> You're stage. Ready now. I'm ready
0: to be discovered. Just, uh, exactly. If yeah. anyone's looking for an Yes, exactly. Jan is ready I'm now. There. I'm there.
1: Totally there. <laughs> yes, darling.
0: Well, yes. hello. You know, yeah. why can't you act
1: now? I thought about it i have thought about it and then i thought oh no i can't be bothered i'm just doing other <laughs> things now you know i've just yeah chosen to fill my life with things that i want to do mm. just you know
0: um that's good you know, take me back um for growing up for you tell me about because um, you were you born born in australia yeah yeah i was born in australia yeah.
1: My mother came to Australia at age 12 as a refugee um, from the streets of Palestine and Egypt Um, and my father came in 1921 he was born in 1901, my mother in 1905 he came as a a migrant but the youngest of a family who were already much more sophisticated than he was Um, they were Jews, my father from Belarus, my mother from, originally from Ukraine where she left at three months old. I think the family left due to persecution. And they came to Australia and um, I grew up in Melbourne with um, not so much my parents, but my father's family. They became, because they were quite sophisticated when they came to Australia, and I used Mm. it, you can't see it, but I can put my hands in inverted commas um, they thought, they became a bit snobby. So they thought I should go to a posh private school. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're a short Jew in a Church of England school where nearly everybody that in my memory were blue-eyed blondes, um, I felt incredibly out of place. My sister was persecuted by one of the grandparents of a child. Um, Shaken yeah. up and down, and called a bloody Jew when she was about ten, oh, or younger, 10. seven, oh maybe nine or something, yeah, eight I don't know. nine. So we faced yeah. a lot of um, a little bit. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't so bad because she was the fat one, and I was the skinny one. So, and I was very sporty. So I kind of fitted in there. Um, yeah. And when I was in year seven, I thought, oh shit, I've had enough of this place. Yeah. I just and I was was a very shy child, surprisingly. Nobody believes that, by the way. <laughs> however, um, I just went to my parents and said, "I'm never going back there. I don't want to go back." Mm. So they tried to get me into a, another private school, um, and eventually I won out and I went to Caulfield North Central School because that was like the middle school in mm. America, it was years seven and eight. And I loved it. There was Jews and Chinese and, all, <laughs> and there was all sorts of people and I felt very, um, I felt those were the happiest two school years of my life because then unfortunately I was smart enough to get into a selective high school and get a scholarship to go there and I hated it. Mm. Um, and I became rebellious and that's where my rebellious nature really um, took hold.
0: That we've seen Pilates on the weekends.
1: Yes, <laughs> well, you know, like, I can't, you see, well, do I? <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I mean, I just resented that this attitude towards kids, and strangely enough, my granddaughter went to a school, and the principal must have come from the same genetic mold as mine, uh. you know, 60 years later or something, yeah. you know, unbelievable, this just, I just, what did you hate about it? Well, you know, I played the cello because mm. you know I played the cello.
0: Because
1: you're posh. Because I'm posh. Because um, <laughs> my parents were very musical and yes. they, won't, they just expected a trio. Except my mother said no one's going to learn the violin because learn a violin just sounds so disgusting. <laughs> you know. And um, my sister said she wouldn't play the cello because she wasn't having that thing between her legs. <laughs> so I went, I'll have it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, I decided I didn't want to be in the orchestra anymore, so I was penalized for that oh um mm-hmm. I won The um,
0: school orchestra
1: yeah, school orchestra mm-hmm. um so that was already I was on the bad books. I wrote a satirical essay and told it wasn't good enough and ripped up by the school principal in front of me ripped I thought it was brilliant, but anyway, <laughs> so I just, um. Things like that. And I once, um, we had a, at, at high school we had, where there's like house competitions for sport and stuff, mm. we had a drama competition between the houses. Yes. And I was the drama representative for my house, mm-hmm. Dryads, which were the tree nips. Mm. And my house won. Nice. And I went up on the stage to collect the award. Mm. And the s- principal snatched it out of my hands and said, it's going to the library, you get it, don't get it. Okay. Yeah, you know, so there was a lot of that wow. sort of thing. So as I was treated like that I became mm. more and more rebellious and mm. it taught me also to value my own I never really had the confidence to think I was worth anything. Mm. But that actually taught me to start to value some of
0: my um, Sounds to my me my like own this. ideas, you
1: know?
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like it for some people that could bury them, but it sounds to me like for you it, it brought out your drive, like it made you stronger.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And in fact, it got to a point where the only class I really enjoyed I was doing music as a subject um, in year 12. Um, so I'd go to the music class, which was first thing in the morning, and then I'd go home. <laughs> <laughs> My mother went, oh yeah. Are whatever. you saying <laughs> you wagged? I wagged. And I remember the modern <laughs> history teacher coming up to me and saying, Jane you know they might not let you have your matriculation if you don't come to school and I thought I can do the shit basically (laughs) I don't go you know it just didn't matter to me and
0: so what year was this in that was 1959
1: 1959 yeah right and um Mm. yes and so I did go to university though Mm -hmm. just because my mother and father thought would be nice if i just became a secretary so of course i went to university to become a secretary oh, yes. <laughs> i did a commerce started a commerce degree because all girls were doing an arts degree i thought i'd do a commerce degree nice
0: which i thought was how many yeah. how many young women were in that class um
1: probably about 20 percent
0: 15 percent okay um and did the Did the men give you a hard time?
1: Well, I I did two, I only did a part time so I could work and earn money. And I did one commerce subject and I could do an arts subject into commerce. So I did um, economic geography, only because I'd never heard of it before and I thought, well, it's different. Mm. Um, And then I thought, I couldn't give a shit how many shit there are in Australia, so that was (laughs) all whatever it was. (laughs) And and so that was probably only about, yeah. It was probably about 10% girls. Mm. Mm. Um, and psychology was more, but it was mixed, yeah. probably half half yeah um because it was a fairly new subject in 59 like it I wasn't it yeah. wasn't like it is now mm. um, and yep. then I gave that up after a couple of years and a oh year and then I started an arts degree so
0: and it and you're sounding again. very much like a Gen Y to me I'm just saying. <laughs> really let's talk about um your acting career
1: yeah it's really interesting i mean i just loved it the minute the minute i stepped on a stage all my kind of any insecurities i had just sort of were stripped away and because it was a generation of review and satire and stuff i could be absurd because i could never play anything straight um, I was known by one of my producers, who, who actually, ended up being a radio producer. He was he was as camp as a row of tents, but he was he was a pixie, and we were pixies together, <laughs> and we used to go to everything dressed as pixies because that and that's what the theatre gave me. And so, from student theatre, that's where a lot of us got our break, because. Mm. Um, the student theatre at Melbourne University, and I suspect at the other major universities. Well, in those days there was only one Victorian university, which was Melbourne Uni, and the Union Theatre, what is now the Melbourne Theatre Company, was the Union Repertory Company, and it was that it was in the Union Theatre. So we got to see all the best actors, and they got to see us too. Aww. Um, Aww. And so I was asked to be in other stuff. And I'll just tell you one little story about what I said before Mm -hmm. about my upbringing at this Church of England school. I was in this long-running show, it was about six months, it was in the generation where we did music hall. And Mm -hmm. I played um, uh, played one character for a while and then another character for a while in in it. And um, one night um, the stage manager came up to me in the dressing room and said, there's someone who wants to see you and he gave her name. And she was the one I wanted to be at Church of England Girls Grammar School. Um, She was a blue-eyed blonde. She was just the epitome of everything I wanted to do. She probably had a turned up nose. There was her and a girl called (laughs) and I wanted to be them. (laughs) Anyway, so this, this many years later, this girl pitches up at backstage and wants mm. to see me because she remembered me from school. Mm. And when she came in I thought what the fuck. <laughs> there was this girl <laughs> that was my idol, my yeah. dream person. Mm. She was matronly, she was boring, she was unattractive
0: physically, mm-hmm. she was everything. Do you think we should I have mentioned want... her name? No, I was just going to say perhaps, like, <laughs> We might bleach that out. Oh, yes,
1: you can bleep that out. Um, but I, I even loved her name. Like yes. it wasn't Janice Kosky. I mean, you know, I didn't have Koski as a surname which was so foreign sounding and of course, if anyone had known that it actually originally was Velikovsky anyway, um, that would have been unheard of. Um, but it taught me something amazing about all these years i wasted my time <laughs> thinking I wanted to be like these people and actually I really didn't yes. you know I didn't I didn't know how to appreciate myself or my parents or and then I suddenly realized mm. that I actually had a pretty bloody good upbringing mm. um, my mother was a little bit off the planet. She was crazy. She was vibrant and outgoing and yes. noisy and everything. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and Dad was just a quiet shy academically minded person He should have been an academic if opportunities were different. Mm. Um, he was an, an intellectual by nature. Mm. Um, an ability. Um, and then so my theatre actually taught me a lot more about me and i realized especially when i saw this girl because Mm. i realized then that all i wanted was not what i really should have wanted yes i didn't value what i grew up with and the culture i grew up with and i didn't i just didn't value myself or my family
0: um and do you think that that's just that's just part of life part of growing up growing up i remember you know first going to England when I was about 28 and yeah. then, then when, that's when I valued Australia that's when I realized how beautiful Sydney was and Australia, Australians were and up until then no yeah.
1: idea well I had it a bit differently because my mother being a refugee she kept saying we live in paradise Don't forget it. And I said, shut up mum. you know, you're boring. You know, because I didn't (laughs) didn't see that we lived in paradise. But I had exactly the same experience as you. Mm. Because she, the wise woman, said to me when I was 20, why don't you travel? She said, you're young enough to enjoy yourself really, and Mm. you're old enough to be sensible. Except that I wasn't, but she didn't know that. (laughs) Um, And so I did. So I packed Mm. up and went overseas where I lived in London for two and a half years. But I was like you. I got to the point where, well, for start in winter, you you get up in the dark to go to work, and then you come home in the dark
0: Mm. at the end of the day. Very hard.
1: It was awful, and I just wanted to come back to the
0: sunshine and the light, the light, you know, just
1: the light. Yes. So yeah, I was. We underestimate. I think. Yeah.
0: I always say that we've got big sky here. Yeah. When you're in London, it feels like the sky's on top of you. Yeah,
1: but everything feels
0: crowded. You yes. Know?
1: and I love that. I love elements of that mm. Um, mm. because I'm an inner city person by nature. Mm. A friend of mine calls me the most asphalt person she knows because <laughs> you know my country's got horse poo and <laughs> bugs and snakes and stuff. Yeah, I don't do I don't, do, don't do
0: country. You don't, don't do country. No, I don't do country. <laughs>
1: um but yeah
0: yeah so wow um and for acting you what was the hardest part i mean obviously so many people try and be actors and it's very few get to make it i think
1: in those days um well there was no there was no night at all mm. theater things there was no starting point, So it was just like and you had to be pushy you had to be you had to be someone who went out there and said, "Hello, darlings, here I am." You no, know? <laughs> and and if you're not, if mm. you're, I still had that inherent insecurities and shyness which I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a very very shy child. My mother said I, when she held my hands to go out anywhere, I would be sweating. Wow. You know, and nobody believes that of me. Do you know why? I was just shy. I think I was just. You know, my sister was very outgoing, my brother oh. was outgoing, and I was just this mousy, shy, skinny, runt of a child, you know. I wasn't really very impressive. Um, well, you didn't think you were impressive. No, I didn't think I was impressive. And I was just very shy. And the the older I got through various things, like through school becoming a bit of a rebellion and all the oh. rest, and then being left by my asshole ex-husband that really made me grow up like that made me into a confident person because i had to be this confident person for my children Mm. you know but the 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 theater i had i had a couple of bad lucks where i just missed out i missed out Mm. on one big show
0: because i was too short but my voice was too i'm only laughing because i'm short as well otherwise right
1: (laughs) exactly I mean, how annoying is that? Yes, exactly. You're just too
0: short. I could have been a supermodel.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm in my next life, a Paris Lido, yes up the back, standing there on very high heels, tall with just little pasties on my boobs. Actually, remind me to bring you some photos. I'll show you. Yes. Made with pasties. Anyway, that's annoying. Um Great. Oh, no, I went to a strip show once with my sister and our boyfriends at the time. And so I came back afterwards, I said, I've got to do it. So my sister took me out the back and took a series of photos of me stripping from from, <laughs> from layers down to... We found some big flowers in the garden and we stuck them on my boobs. And then in those days you had to take your photos to the, the chemist yes. to get them developed, right? Yes. And Brian, who was our local chemist, oh. they're not supposed to look at your photos. <laughs> I went in to pick them up and he said... Oh, Jan, I've got your photos, um, here, um, um, um here they are. <laughs> so, so obviously he looks at everybody's face. Yeah. Anyway, um. Well, you
0: made his week.
1: <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's the next one. So being short. Sure, yeah.
0: one of worry about?
1: Do you want to come back as talk?
0: Yeah, make. yeah, yeah.
1: I might even be black and sing like Billy Holiday. Oh, that's oh, my
0: sad. other. I think I'm, I want to come back as a, a male backup dancer. I, th- you know, I, I love dancing. Yeah, me. Too. Um, I never had a dancer's body. I'd probably have to be gay though, because I really like men. But that's all right. I'm most that's backup right. dancers are gay yeah, anyway. So I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready to do that. Yeah, <laughs> we've got our next lives okay. plan. Well then,
1: I'll be there. With I'll be there. Yeah, too. We'll be fine, I'll be fun. there. I'll be, <laughs> with, I'll be <laughs> up there. Paris, Ledo, Yeah. You know, like, what else do you I'll want? I'll meet you like, there. Yeah. <laughs> So, what know, was
0: your other bad luck you had?
1: The other bad luck was, um, as an out of work actor, you do other jobs. And I, and one, I had a dresser when I was in a review, mm. um, but you know, because it was such a quick change, and mm-hmm. I had to have a dresser. And she said to me that she had once done this cruise where she was worked as a, a stewardess, mm. call.
0: So I thought, oh, that
1: sounds fun. So I got a job as a on a, as it on a cruise as a stewardess I was a cabin stewardess which meant I made the beds in the morning uh-huh. it was an Italian liner um, and they had um, goanese staff at the really low end uh-huh. um, and they had Australian girls because we could speak English and talk to the tourists right so we could be but being a, a cabin stewardess was best because all you had to do was make the beds in the morning then you had the whole day to yourself in port in all these exotic ports, wow. and then at night you just pulled back the cupboard, covers you know nice. that's and cleaned up anything that was you know uh. so I did that and during that time communications weren't like they are now mm. this wonderful theater and wonderful theater man called Walt Cherry who had this theater in Melbourne and did wonderful stuff had wanted me for a part mm. and I got the message through one of those thingos in port mm. but I couldn't respond to it from there I had no resources oh. to respond by the time I got back he'd given it to somebody else oh, is... so there was two big huge jobs yes. that I missed out on huge and I think I then thought well I'm not meant to be doing this
0: mm. um, And then you started Um, your other career well yeah i guess well to actually back to that comment you made about your arsehole husband um the other day when we met you told me a story about that about what his where he worked and things like that can you tell that story about what happened to him after you broke up and why you broke Uh, up
1: well he broke up because he was he was screwing his secretary
0: See, if you haven't done secretarial work at school, I (laughs) would
1: (laughs) have been someone else's. Exactly. Um, It's really good secretary
0: does.
1: (laughs) um, He he was screwing his secretary. um, And Mm. it was interesting because my mum was... I was in Sydney then with him, Mm. and my mum was in Melbourne, and she had a heart attack. And I went to to Melbourne for the weekend. He said, don't worry, I'll mind the children. When I came back, my three-year-old daughter um, said to me, Daddy's friend stayed the night in your bed, Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> nice, love you, Julia. I yeah. love you. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was really interesting. So, when I confronted him, of course, that came out, and he went. Um, what was I? What was the? Film? Oh he,
0: yeah. And he left you, so you would bring up the two children yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: he he didn't he he was a weak man. Um, mm. He had a funny upbringing himself. He was English, clever Oh, the story, yeah. Mm. Um, And he worked his way up to have, to be the general manager of a very big company, part of one of the companies within the TNT group of companies who Mm -hmm. were huge. And he became what they call the divisional doctor because he'd go into one of the companies in the group and fix it. So yep. he was so super smart that no I loved him. Uh-huh. However one day he said to me when he left, don't tell them I, I've gone. And uh, one day his boss, who was just one from the top, rang and said, can I speak to Peter? And I said, well he doesn't live here anymore, he left us. Live here anymore. <laughs> and he went, hmm, thanks Jan, I'm sorry to hear that, but thank you for that. Um, he was fired. Wow. Um, even though he was this superstar in the company, it was a family, or, family-oriented company, and they got rid of him. And I went, there is such a thing as karma. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'm counting on it. Yeah. yeah wow. That's yeah. so.
1: Um, that's you amazing. Know, like, as if, as if I was going to lie for him. I mean, it was a fairly stupid. thing. But that seems. Like
0: I didn't even know companies ever did that. Like, oh, I wouldn't well, anymore. They wouldn't do it now. No. That's for sure. But. To fire someone because they didn't represent their family values. How amazing is that? Wow. I thought it was wonderful. Right? Yes. I
1: thought I thought. Um, wow. And from what I can gather, he never really made it after that. Wow. All this superstar. Mm. Just. So that's where I say there was karma.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, interesting. Mm, yeah. So then you brought up the uh, two girls by yourself. Correct. And that's when you got into all different jobs or the market research. Well, uh, yeah, mainly,
1: mainly just decided I had to stick at something because I did one really intelligent thing in my life when when we were divor- when we were getting divorced, I was recommended to this family law solicitor. Well, they weren't called that then, um, and she just kept charging me money and doing nothing. And then I happened to be at a party and talking to this young woman. And I explained to her that, you know, there was nothing happening with the settlement and I didn't know where I stood and, you know, and she said, don't worry, I'll talk to my husband who happened to be an industrial law judge. Nice. And she said, she got me this barrister from the industrial law mm. who became my family law solicitor and he said to me, "Jam, what do you want? And I said, I want the house. And my mum's saying, no, you need money, you need money, you've got to raise the girls, you know, because they're only two and three years of age. And um, I said, no, I want the house. I'll always be able to put food in their mouth, um, but I'll never be able to buy a house again. So I got the house, quit the mortgage, and so with the money, I bought myself a little house. Mm. Um, Yeah, a little house. uh, So you didn't have a mortgage. So I didn't have a mortgage. So you were smart enough to do that. Yeah, that's why I said it was the one intelligent thing I've done in my life. So nobody could take that away from me. The title deed was in my name and Mm. my name alone. Mm. And to this day, I'm so grateful because I would never have been able to start from scratch with a mortgage. Mm. And the money disappeared. He stopped giving me money for them anyway. Yes, of course. So, you know. And I did go to court over that but it was just not it just was no mm.
0: That's what tends so, to happen. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I it didn't matter then. I could live and the girls could live and they could have a comfortable life. Mm. E-
0: Excellent. I think that's you know, it was it was a smart decision for you. Oh, but yeah. also also not to um I think what a lot of people would have done was would be keep the house and then try and pay the mortgage, or not be smart enough, and to buy something smaller. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people mm. don't want to compromise; they want everything nowadays. Mm. But but you're smart enough to know. No, what I really need to do is have somewhere where they can live, get rid of the mortgage, yeah. and then I can work and put, you know, yeah, food in their, in their in yeah. their in their bodies.
1: Yeah, no, I that's why I say I was. I'm glad I made that decision.
0: Tell me about. I want to move on into um, into values. Talking about through your life, what do you think have become your values, or what's important to you?
1: I'm. Um, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a wanker.
0: Yeah, fine. Sound like a wanker.
1: I, okay, I'll sound like a wanker. I believe in social values that reflect my own. In other words, I hate the maltreatment of people. I get upset at homeless people. I I value family. Um, I value the mm. environment, and I think we're stuffing it up big time. Mm. So. I'm, I'm sounding like a, a mixture between a communist, a greenie, a socialist. <laughs> I don't know what I am, but I've become more and more sensitive to the needs. I've decided this thing that I do now is when I see homeless people, I go and talk to them. I might give them a dollar. Mm. Um, I can't change their lives with mm. money, mm. but I talk to them and... And they so appreciate it. And I think that we can all be doing little things to make people's lives, maybe for a moment. I can't change their life, I can't give them a home. I can't make them, if they've got mental health issues, I can't cure them, I can't fix them. But I can talk to them as human beings. We all walk past unpleasant things Mm. and refuse to confront them. I'm better at confronting them now and I think Mm. And I'm, I teach ethics in primary school now uh-huh. and the subject we're doing at the moment for three weeks is morality and it's about the morality, it basically looks at the morality of those closest to you like family and friends and then that sort of other morality, you uh-huh. know, like one of the things that we looked at was the environment. Now we do a little um, role play, and and the kids read, the kids in the class read, and it was one of them a boy who says, we've got to look after the environment, you know, blah, 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 blah. We have a scenario that Uh sets it up, Mm. and then the girl says, which is based on the scenario, but you know, but we need local industry and we need local trade, and you know, then, and then you discuss which which way would you go? Mm. And it was interesting, these are year five and six kids, so mm. 10 and 11, 12, what they are. They all went in the, on the side of the environment and not the local thing. But then there are other scenarios where they're on the side of the family. And it's made me, mm. along with the kids, because I can't put any opinions down, mm. mm. it's made me think about those, the, the complex, mm question of morality whether it's the, the
0: greater good or the local family mm. you know it's a hard one it's definitely it's definitely a hard one and i think people now i think people oh. are way more they're better off than they've ever been yeah. but they don't feel like that and they're because we've got sort of twenty four seven media. Yeah, I think they feel like they're, um, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're they're scared. They're scared all the time, and they don't need to be. It's better than it's ever been, but they're still sort of scared. So they makes them sort of not think as big. I think. Yeah. You know, make it narrows them down. Yeah. Yeah. Like I do bizarre. I find I do bizarre things, like with homeless people, for example like because the first time i went to london was the first time i'd seen homeless people and and it really threw me but now i'm seeing them in australia and it's really it sort of annoys me in a way because i'm like this is australia this is
1: yeah
0: this is a pretty easy country to live in like got to be well, the easiest country in the world to live in in a way and also why don't you hang out at the beach or <laughs> i don't you know what i mean like i'm But of course then i'm not understanding like that that was my initial thought then i've got a photographer friend who spent three months on skid road in la and wow and that's when i really saw the difference of of what it is that you know the mental health issues around it and and i think just feeling worthwhile so when you're talking to them you're making them feel like they're valuable
1: they're people we don't sit we don't walk we put it so many people put a dollar in and they don't look at them no so they don't look at them as people with pain and who, who feel pain and yeah you know i was talking to one guy because i would talk to them all it's yeah. just what i do I, just, about, about my, my, I uh, thing that if i see one i will stop and talk yeah um and i was talking to this one guy he clearly was not a highly educated man. Mm-hmm. Um, he was clearly... And he said... I said, have you, and I always ask them, have you got somewhere to sleep tonight? Because mm. they like to tell me that. Yeah. And this guy, he said, oh, my job, my boss is just waiting for another tender. So he said, I don't have work at the moment. Oh. So I said, have, you know, have you oh, got anywhere to sleep tonight? And he said, well, that's why I'm doing this to pay for my bed set. So then I thought, oh, shit, I've only given him a dollar. What can I do? You know, yeah. and, I, I, and so he wants to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. He doesn't
1: have the wherewithal. He doesn't have the brains, the, no. the background to do better than he's doing. He wants to work.
0: He obviously doesn't have the support network. No. Or yeah. No. So. And yeah. I no, I also think cuz the other day I did a weird thing well, one of the junctions I can never remember the road but it's as if you're going towards Balmain. it's going from Glebe and um, at Annandale into into the balmain Victoria yeah. Road and up that way yeah. there's always this guy there who's cleaning the windscreens he's always dressed crazily and it's it's like he's guiding the cars okay you can yeah. go now. and you know yeah. and I had for some reason I had cash in my wallet which I don't normally have a lot of cash in my wallet and I just I just had this thing I thought I'm just gonna give him $50 because I thought to myself what am I gonna spend that $50 on whatever I want you know yeah I could spend it on a lunch or something like that yeah. and I know a lot of people don't give them that sort of money one one a lot of people can't but two they think oh what are they going to spend it on alcohol or yeah. whatever and i mm-hmm. think i don't care what they spend it on like it's you know what why could you know why should i be able to go and buy cocktails he must with have nearly it had a fit. he must have nearly had an apoplexy i just sort of pulled the window down and held it out and he, you know and he just said thank, you know thank you so much you know yeah. that's all he said and i was almost shaking weirdly. and i'm thinking why am i shaking why is this causing me anxiety Make, or something. it's making you think about it. Yeah, uh, but I i felt good and I've done that a couple of times in my life, to be honest. I'll, you know, don't tell my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but I think, um, yeah, it, I think it's a hard, it's a really hard one to fix. But you're right, I think treating people a little bit more like humans. I think it is. I mean,
1: I think... My, my mum, you know, as I said, was a refugee. She would go up on the streets mm. of Palestine and Egypt, yeah. um, on mm. the streets. Wow. She could never eat a mushroom again because they picked mushrooms off the side of the road. Oh God. Go. So when she wow. came to Australia, she couldn't eat mushrooms. Yeah. Um, mm. And there were certain things that she, she struggled with, even though she was 12. I mean, that's a huge part of it. That's what I was going to say. How season. old was she, 12? Wow. When she came here, she was 12. That's so from young 3, from three
0: months
1: streets, to yeah. 12, she yeah. was on the streets. Yeah, um, and, there's a lot of, and it wow. made, also made me think, oh my gosh, you know, like, she was just a little kid, you know, and there's little kids living like that. They're living in the yeah. car with their pet mother or, yeah. you know, and I'm thinking, well, what can I what can I do mm. um, to make things better? And the, I tried when I retired, fully retired last year. Mm. I tried to work with refugees and homeless and all of these things and I got nowhere. Because they're run by volunteers and so that very often it's very hard to,
0: so. It's uh, so true, I've tried the same thing. I've tried to volunteer and it's -hmm. very hard to find things that you can can get in and (coughs) do. Like they don't, I don't think they're very good at using people in There doesn't seem to be... There's volunteer jobs for (coughs) doing stuff, being a little bit practical driving or whatever. If you're a lawyer or or if
1: you're a teacher or if you're a this or
0: a that or certainly... There's no volunteer (coughs) jobs for us to go and just talk to them and quite frankly, I think that would help a lot. Or, you know, it just doesn't seem to be an easy way to find something that you can... There's this
1: group, I can't remember what they're named, I haven't fully taken off yet, but they are... Starting this thing where you, as a volunteer, mm. you have a, ring this person once a day or something mm. for 10 minutes and talk in English to them. Right. And that's all you do. Yeah. That's your whole commitment. Wow, yeah. Is, or, I don't know if it's 10 minutes a day or whatever mm. it is, it's very short. Yeah. Um, but they're trying to get off the ground, so they keep emailing me and telling me it is happening, you know. Yeah. Um,
0: so there's a lot of good people out there (coughs) trying to do some good stuff we just don't hear enough about that
1: no so I'm doing a bit with my ethics class
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) when you get older people people see you very differently and I've been I don't know why I'm not like everyone else you know like I don't see old people like everyone else sees them I've always been a little bit more in tuned or something you know, I see them for who they really are. Because I, I can remember distinctly walking past a queue of people lining up for the cinema at Macquarie, and I was with a young guy who was about 22 or something, and this is probably about, I don't know, I might have been 40 or something like that, um, walking along with him, and there were all these old people lined up to see Mrs. Henderson or something, that movie, I don't know. I forget what it was called, but he looked over and I said, "Wow, what's going on here? Why are there all these old people here?" And, and he said, "And we realised the movie." And he said, "Oh, that's a bit risky for them, isn't it?" And oh, then, <laughs> yeah, and that just blew my. Mind. I said, "What? You think they've never had sex? Where do you think you came from?" Oh, exactly.
1: <laughs> In fact, oh. you think about the '60s; it was what we were wild child. We were yeah. just why I reckon. We changed the world for young women of today, because we were the first ones. We got the pill, we got freedom, we traveled. We were the first generation to get out there and say, I can do it, I'm a woman. Yep. You know, yep. I'm a woman, hear me roar. Yep. You, know? Yep. you know, the whole yep. thing. Um, and that's that's exactly the way I'm treated. You know, I can't, I can't, told you this, and I will continue to say it. It is the only thing in the world that, apart from politics, that enrages me yes. when I'm treated so badly. My granddaughter, um, who's gay, was one of her teachers who, at school, who was gay. Oh. You know, they said so they communicated. Said what, and, and knew that she had. She lived with me. Yeah. She said, "Well, what does your grandmother think of it?" Yeah. Well, Grandmother picked it up before she did herself. Of course. Um, and, you know, my time in the theatre, I was mixing with
0: a lot of days. Yeah, You know, yeah. they
1: were my friends. Yeah. And, um,
0: but people don't... People so look at so old, older people and they don't even imagine that they've had a life. I know. That's what it... I don't understand that. How can you... What they, Do you think old people were just born? Because <clears throat> that's how we treat them. I think they think that we all get dementia. But it's... Insane.
1: Well, it, it is, but Let there's... Google
0: that. I want to Google <coughs> how many people get dementia. What is the well, stats? Well, you're a market researcher, you should know that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not anymore.
1: Um, but, but you know, my sister as a disabled person was treated like that too. So if I was pushing her in a wheelchair, mm. they didn't speak to her. People spoke to me. She asked the question and they would answer to me. Mm. I mean, it was awful. She's a super smart woman.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the thing, like, it's one, one, that, one that they treat you like you're dumb, that you don't know anything, never did, never knew anything. And that I can't come to terms with. But I also can't come to the terms with that they treat you like you're a prude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like every old person is a prude.
1: We never opened our legs for anything, did we? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't
0: know how you. <laughs> I do mind to play the cello. remember. Apparently, it's five to eight percent dementia of, yeah. it, of the population. but That's pretty low. Right. Exactly. And that's pretty yeah,
1: low. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I find, look, I think I might have told you this story that I was. Um, yeah. Tell the
0: story about the supermarket. My, yeah.
1: yeah. I was in the supermarket and i was about to i was in the queue for the self 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 checkout, and one of the staff members a girl young girl obviously and i feel guilty that i was quite probably quite rude to her um because she was probably trying to do her best but she said to me now come on dear come over here because that's where they can help you put your things through okay do you want to come over here oh I can't begin to tell you so I stood up at my full four foot and eleven and a half inches or whatever it is (laughs) and I said I might have grey hair but I still have grey cells in my brain and she looked the poor girl I mean I couldn't I was so angry she was humiliating me in front of other people she was treating me with disrespect she was, and I just, and I rose, as I said, I used my full voice so that the entire Woolworths could hear, you know, I just was, I was, I was upset.
0: You it's know, ridiculous. and
1: it, it upsets me on, on, on quite a regular basis because that's, that's one example, but that's typical of the sort of things I've encountered. Um, and of course, none of us know about, anything about the digital economy. Apparently. Digital disruption. I mean, you know, no, we don't know about that. How do we know to use a smartphone? I mean, come on. We're, we're too old to know <laughs> how to use a smartphone. Because I was told that
0: in a store once,
1: too. But my dad you
0: know. my dad lives in the country, in a little town, Marymore, and he's 79. And he knows how to use Spotify. He's got, you know, I'll give you some of his playlists. He's got some good playlists on there, Merv. Um, But he'll take his, I bought him a Bose speaker. Oh, yeah. Best thing he's ever received, he thinks, because he then just takes his phone with him and his speaker and he's got his, (laughs) I think he's the local DJ. (laughs) He just goes to the club, the pub, and he puts on his music. (laughs) And they love
1: it. Instead of sounding like a bitter old lady, I actually love young people. I love young people because I love that, beauty of youth Mm. physical beauty
0: yes
1: I love that spark that they have Mm -hmm. so I don't want this to come across as this
0: bitter miserable old lady who I don't think you come across like that you're you're fighting for yourself for the way you're treated and then you're trying to understand I think that's the thing um because no one says anything bad to them that If you say anything bad, we're seen as, as hassling them and we're not actually we're no. trying to help them Because because they do have anxiety like oh, you know, They huge. do have anxiety it's it's and we're huge. trying to unpick why this has happened and we think we're responsible for a lot of it as well I think, I think a lot of it. I don't think I think
1: My I've raised your generation. Yes right? um, yeah. With Gen X children.
0: Yeah um, Would you agree we're the best generation? Just joking. No, I am, because I raised you. Yeah, yeah, you the baby boomers are the best I baby- <laughs> No,
1: I'm older than a baby boomer. Are you? Yeah, okay. because baby boomers was from the what end of the world. What was before baby boomers? Nothing, we were just old. <laughs> <laughs> just old. Off- There's <laughs> nothing, no such thing. No, 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 no that's right. the generation. Baby, are baby boomers started at the end of World War II, which was 45. Yeah. I wasn't, I was born before 45. Right. My generation is, not, is a nothing. We're nothing. That's the whole point. You oh, know, we're nothing. Wow. Um, you don't know. Nothing. But I, I, I really love young. I really love young about And you know, I'm going to sound really, really sexist here, but I think young men are much nicer than young women. Wow. I get way more respect from young men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, a young man driving a car will stop for me. Yeah. A young woman driving a car, forget it. Yeah. Young men drive who are tradies driving utes. Yeah. Without doubt, the most polite of all. Wow. Uh, that's my experience. Yes, yeah. And I think young men are just gorgeous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm You're a cougar.
1: I am a cougar. You're a cougar. I'm just, no, I'm not a cougar. I'm just a perv.
0: they're just so beautiful yeah Um, but um, that's but you're also having a nice experience so why aren't the girls doing it i think the young girls have an enormous amount of pressure on them i was going to say i think there's more more pressure
1: on them physically yeah um yeah you know and then there's now now there's very big expectations academically Mm. there's more expectations than that you know so so they're in that there's young people now they're in that thing that happens before things settle down if you mm. know what i mean like these yeah. phases as things come yes and and things change um generationally yeah um i think the girls are in, in a bit of a change pattern about where they belong mm. we've got to be assertive we have to be we are women we can yes. do anything you know that yeah. sort of thing um
0: but we have to do everything
1: well, we do because
0: that's the thing, right? So my generation, or pretty much all the women, worked like I grew up, think, always getting sick of hearing the first woman vice chancellor, the first woman prime minister, the first woman this, the first woman that, yeah. and I thought, oh, we will have made it when I stop hearing that the first woman, and we're nowhere near it. Like we sort of go back and forward, um, and I think f- for my generation. we we went into the workforce and a lot of us you know we could be successful we had more opportunity to be successful although we had no hardly any role models so when i first started and i worked in a bank or wherever i worked The senior people were all men. I mean, generally, they are now in here. In in
1: banking, for sure. Yeah,
0: there's a few women, Um, not many. But you'd see one or two women that are senior throughout my career, but they all look like the politician, female politician. They all look like men, quite frankly. Or they all, you know, they have to have a certain look. They're not walking in with bangles. No,
1: (laughs) no. You know, they're not. They wear wear suits.
0: Yeah, they have to to become like men to survive it so we we didn't have many role models in that but then i also thought to myself you look at the men in your generation that had those careers um they had women at home looking after everything women have never well they're starting to a little bit now Mm. but successful women never to get there never had anyone at home feeding them they never came home and the dinner was there for them we do you know, or anything still, like that. It's still a bit like that. It's yeah. still a bit like it still that. is a bit like that, absolutely. Yeah.
1: My, my daughter in America, she's um she's a music lawyer. Mm. Her husband's a music producer. Well I'll tell you where the money comes from for their for their rent and rent, yeah. his studio rent where they live, you yeah. know, everything comes from her. Yeah. However, t- and her husband's very good, like mm. he takes the kids to school and stuff. But she's responsible for managing what happens. Yes, she has to organise the babysitter. She still has to organise, you yeah. know, things. Yeah. you know, she has to manage the household. Yeah, in fact, I think, even though
0: he's a great cook. Yeah, um, but the woman is still, still in charge of organising everything, as well and as bringing in the money.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that's, and 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 this is a girl who firmly believes in women can do whatever they want. I mean she grew up with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Only me. Right. Yeah. So she grew up in a very female environment, mm. growing up knowing that girls can do anything. That was, yeah. In fact when she was in high school she was going to a um, combined, um, I think it was an Indonesian camp with North Sydney mm. boys with her brother school. And she, um, <laughs> She said, oh, I have to get an, a nightie because I wear shorty pajamas all year. So we went into this Target or somewhere and she found this. She said, this is it. This is what I need. Mm. And on the front it said, anything boys can do. And on the back it says, girls can do better. So, and, it, and, and it wasn't that she felt like that. But she she yeah. she wanted she believed in girls can yeah. do anything. Yeah. But she still takes over that role as... Yeah. Because Tony, he's just lovely and he's supportive and everything, but he's just, she's the one who.
0: And then, well, they've never been, so many men have never been trained in it, to be honest. Like when I was young, and this is where I think self-esteem for young people has been lost. So when I was young, I was given chores. I had to cook dinner, I had to hang the washing up, I had to do the washing, or I had to do ironing, or all these sorts of things, right? Yeah, i learned how like to do it like so started. many boys don't get taught that no they don't get taught how to look after themselves
1: and, you know interestingly enough when you me think how old i am and my brothers my brother was nearly seven years older than me yeah in our household there's three of us yeah one of us had to wash up one yeah. of us had to dry up and put away the dishes and one yeah. of us had to sweep the kitchen floor every night nice um my brother too however he was born completely deaf in one ear, so he'd always had the excuse that he couldn't hear anyone calling us. <laughs> <laughs> and he got away with it. Uh. So you're right there. Okay. Even though, unusually, he yeah. was expected to contribute, yeah.
0: um, unusually, he managed to get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think chores are good because of like, you hate it growing up, right? But that's good. It's good to have some things that annoy you because... You're gonna go in the workforce and you're gonna have yeah. to face that. It's not all That
1: is. And I think I failed in that regard. Um, <laughs> I do because I felt the guilt of a single parent. So mm. sometimes I became a bit
0: you did more too lenient, much. For them. Yeah. A bit
1: more lenient than I should have. Um,
0: yeah.
1: so I think I was a failure
0: in some ways. Well, I wouldn't say you're a failure, it sounds like you're girls are doing well but
1: Yeah, they're lovely. Um, yeah I'm look, yeah when I made a speech at my one of my daughter's weddings I actually went through all her um, all her virtues mm. and then I at every one I said yeah but I made it that way. Actually <laughs> 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 <I thought pretty. laughs> Because I thought you know I to make a speech about her and I'll bring myself into it yeah, come yeah. on you need to yeah, take some credit yeah, for that yes you, you did that so <laughs> yeah interesting oh and mm. i've got a girlfriend in um canberra she's just turned 50 mm-hmm. and we're very close friends and mm. she sees me as her role model yes i just love her and yeah. um a- and she doesn't see anything in me i mean when she got married she said to me, "You're too old to be my bridesmaid." That's why I love her so much because she. We just talk very openly. Yeah, yeah. She said, "But you'll be, you'll be, you'll be um, MC at my wedding, won't you?" I said, "That was the best job of all. <laughs> be MC. Yeah. Like someone you love to yeah. be MC at their wedding. Yes. Cause she. And, and in my and when I spoke, um, mm. I actually mentioned the fact that she doesn't see my age yeah, at
0: all. No, exactly.
1: And then I've got my role model in Norway. She was a chemical engineer mm. in the 40s from little old Oslo. She had to mm. go to Sweden to do her degree. Mm. I think it was in the 40s. And she was, I think, one of two women out of 200 men or something Mm. and just did that and I just, and she's this dainty little small lady you know and yet with this big intellect it's still there you know and and my son-in-law's Nana was in Auschwitz and Mm. was swimming till she was nearly 90 and Mm. and Playing chess and yeah. you know, just this amazing woman. You know, us, yeah. I've seen them, and I think we need to present these role models more, not yes. just you know, actually as role models. You know, you can be this amazing mm. person, or, yes. or
0: you can have fun, or you can.
1: You I'm going to
0: make you the what's that lady's name, Iris Atcliffe the she's in she's way older than you she's in new york she's in the oh, 90s yeah. blue illusion yeah. have just done a campaign with her on the front cover and i because my husband's in advertising i said oh, see? look at the mm. cut through they're getting with that it's so striking you never see older people on anything it's as if they are invisible from the age of yeah 40 right yeah you don't see them anywhere yeah she looks phenomenal
1: oh she wears interesting glasses yes, and stuff yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And, and
0: she has all She's the
1: colorful and yeah, yeah yeah i
0: can't remember her yeah, name I know, but i'm going to make you the australian version okay i'm ready glasses. <laughs> yeah, just glasses. Yeah. yeah but but there's a whole <laughs> market there there's a whole market there that is being completely missed mm-hmm.
1: look, look you know i've got a mixture of friends, but I've got quite a few in in my age group mm. naturally. Um, you know, and some of them are doing amazing things. Like yes. Keith, this guy, he's he knows more about um, Indigenous culture than you know. I mean, he's just when he started. He was a journalist. But mm. he started uni with his daughter when her do- when his daughter wow. started uni. Wow, cool! Um, mm. And he decided to do um, Aboriginal studies. Mm. So one of the reference books he'd written himself. Oh, wow! So you know he's yeah. still that interesting. He's still this yeah. interesting man. He's just involved in curating exhibitions and yeah. and he, I think Keith must be if he's not eighty, he'd be seventy nine. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's still doing this stuff. So there's these really fascinating, Mm. people doing fascinating stuff. Yeah. You know?
0: So, So and and it needs to be highlighted. I think because, I think it helps people see past what they're doing now as well. Is that they if they can look into the future and see that, because I think they think, oh, if it doesn't happen by 30, like, my life's over. There's so many interesting things. This is what I love about uh, this Iris woman is that, I think she was like 90 or something when she gets a call from the Museum of Contemporary Art or something in, in New York, basically, we want to do an exhibition on your jewellery. Like, who knows that you're going to become famous in your 90s, right? Yeah, exactly. Like anything could happen. In my career, in my job, in, when I worked at King's College London, I got to take an acapella group around the States when I was 46. Mm. It was phenomenal. And I was just like, oh, well... well I just felt like the roadie and it was just a great experience and I think people think your life is over when you're 30. I know. There's so much more happening. I know
1: but you know (laughs) I'm more than double that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yes and I haven't done nothing all that time. Yes. I haven't done I haven't done as much as I would have liked. That's the so that's the other thing
0: so this is your yeah. final message for them, although we'll, I, I suspect we'll do another one of these later. When I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, season okay. two could come in six months, it doesn't have to be that no. much <laughs> no.
1: Well, I think, I think the main thing for me is, I think you can do almost anything at any time within reason. You know, you don't have to close the door on things. Mm. The first time I retired, <coughs> I took up tap dancing because I never really wanted to play the cello. I wanted to be a tap dancer, uh,
0: nice. you know? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So
1: I decided, so I did, I learned to swim and I learned to tap dance. Nice. But then I ended up going back to work, so that kind <laughs> of finished that off. But it, it, it means that you can do anything at any time in your life. Mm. you don't have to close the door on anything I might not be I might not have become um, Fred Astaire or you know a super tap dancer
0: yeah
1: but it didn't matter I was doing something Mm. just because I love all that I love Mm. music and musicals and Mm.
0: just yeah. yeah so I think
1: I think the big thing to learn is you don't have to close the door on anything that's right, and you've got plenty of time. You don't have to do it all in a rush. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but don't go too
0: slow, because you never know. <laughs> you never know. Well, that's, okay, yeah, that's right. So you want to take, take what they okay. can out of
1: it. My personal philosophy, Yeah. and if ever I had a, ta- a tattoo, yeah. is every day is a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there going, oh, I'm going to do it in 10 years' time. Thing. Every day matters, so you've got to enjoy today, mm. you know, like i really enjoyed this mm. You know, I've I, I really enjoyed it. It's been really good. Yeah, and so now I can go away and feel uplifted And I, I and tomorrow what am I doing tomorrow? I can't remember, but I'm doing something nice and even if I'm not doing anything nice I'll find something nice. Yes, just
0: exactly. You know,
1: I might watch some crap TV but it makes me feel yeah Relaxed.
0: Do something or, that you like you know, to do. Yeah. It makes you routine. feel good.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know, so every day I is I a talk day talk to much. people. Yeah. I don't think people talk to enough people. No. Well, that's what I do. You can yeah. tell I'm motor mouse. I'm yeah. M- I talk to homeless Same. people. I talk
0: to anybody. You know, just <laughs> anyone. Anyone who <laughs> will talk to me, I'll talk. You know. Yeah. We need to set you up in a station. Want to have a chat? Come to this. So yes, that's right. who that's would right. want to have a chat. You know how they <laughs>
1: did that thing with... Um, People would go out and say, do you feel like a hug? You know, just in the public street. Do
0: you feel like a chat? Do you feel like a chat? You know, (laughs) like, yeah. Let's have a chat. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Jan. This has been really interesting. Well, it was my pleasure. thank Thank you.